This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morris, and this week we're previewing the 2017 Bates men's lacrosse season. The track and field teams impressed at the New England Division III Indoor Championships, and men's swimming and diving matched their best NESCAC championships finish ever. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The men's and women's basketball teams saw their seasons come to an end in the NESCAC quarterfinals over the weekend. The men gave the number 10 nationally ranked Middlebury Panthers all they could handle on the road, rallying from a 17-point deficit to tie the game. But Middlebury ended up prevailing 88-84. Marcus Del Pesh led the Bobcats with 18 points, and he finishes his career with 1,025 points. Malcolm Del Pesh blocked a shot to finish his career with a school record 178 blocks. Meanwhile, the women's basketball team fell 76-35 at number one nationally ranked Amherst. Senior co-captain Ali Capola scored a team-high 13 points and pulled down five rebounds. She finishes her career with 977 points and a school record 942 rebounds. The men's squash team battled Princeton in the opening round of the Hone Cup at the College Squash Association Team Championships over the weekend. They came up just short in a tight 5-4 defeat, and although Bates ended up going 0-3 over the weekend, senior three-time All-American Amin Hatata went 3-0, running his winning streak to 19 matches. He and a few other Bobcats will compete at individual nationals coming up in March. In track and field, the men's team finished 7th out of 27 teams at the New England Division III Indoor Championships, marking the 8th straight year the Bobcats have finished among the top 7 scoring teams at the event. First year, Bo Phillips Campolo Pene finished 2nd in the high jump and moved into a tie for 7th place on Bates' all-time performance list. Junior Adedire Fakari took 2nd in the weight throw, and junior Rob Flynn took 2nd in the 600-meter run with a new career-best time of 1 minute. 22.44 seconds. Meanwhile, the women's track and field team turned in their best performance at the New England Division III Indoor Championships since 1990. They finished in a tie for third with Middlebury and Tufts. The Bobcat 4x400 relay team broke a 16-year-old meet record with a time of 3 minutes 57.40 seconds. Senior captain Allison Hill, first-year Paige Rabb, sophomore Aiden Eikhoff, and senior captain Claire Marconic made up the record-breaking relay team, with Marconic running the anchor leg. Yeah, it was super exciting. I personally love running anchor leg. You get to see each of your teammates be super competitive in their in their legs, and it just it it really serves to pump me up every every lap that I see my teammates run, and it gets the adrenaline going. And I'm standing there waiting to get the baton. I'm just ready to go. So. It was it was awesome to overtake Williams and go for the win and get the meet record as well as the, our flat track record and it was incredible. The the energy in the stadium was amazing. Yeah, cuz that meet record had been around for quite a while and when did you find out you you'd actually broken that meet record? Yeah, so Jade is really on top of that. So she <laughs> she knew immediately that we we had gotten it. She said I she came right over and said I think this is the first time we've ever placed first for the 4x4 this meet, which was really cool. 
Um, it was awesome to get the first place win. We all got a T-shirt, which is super cool. So we were really happy about it. Nice, so a little T-shirt saying, declaring you're the winner? Oh, uh, yeah, top three. <laughs> top, uh, top three places to get a T-shirt. Gotcha, gotcha, nice. And then, obviously, you know, as the season goes along, you have Open New England's coming up, and um, then for some people, the last chance meet to try to qualify for nationals. So what are you specifically working on? I know you're running the relay again this weekend, right? Yeah, this weekend we'll, we'll be running it on Saturday. Um, I know we're, we're 12th, ranked 12th in the nation right now, but um, – Washu and I think it's Wartburg. I know there are a bunch of teams who have who hold a, a, a couple of places in that ranking. So I think only one team is allowed to go to nationals. So we'll be we'll be bumped up in the ranking um, when all of that gets sorted out. And we're just hoping to run a faster time this weekend and break the record again and just see see how far it, it can take us. Yeah, and obviously uh, you're representing the relay team, but uh, I mean, let's give a shout out to yeah. your teammates, right? Yeah, um, Aiden. <laughs> Allie and um, Paige aren't aren't here right now. They're on break, <laughs> enjoying themselves, and uh, I'm I'm the only one here. But uh, Aiden is here, but she's not on campus right now. But um, yeah, great job to them. I mean, super competitive. It's a it's a blast running with them. They're amazing teammates. And then Allie obviously had a big weekend. Also, what's it like watching her, a fellow senior captain, having such a great season? Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, we we talk about it um, all the time, like. She's the fastest uh, hurdler in D3s right now, and I think she's sixth or something in the 200, and we talk about it like she's technically like a super, I mean, she's a superstar, and I mean, she's just on our team, and, and we just, we see her as a teammate, she's, our, she's a captain, and it's it's really just incredible to be on the same team as someone who's who's so talented. It's It's inspiring. We're going to go back to the relay race. You mentioned this before, but, yeah, running that anchor leg, it just much build the anticipation, I mean, so much. I mean, and you, you mentioned you embrace that, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm standing there waiting to get the baton, and I'm jumping up and down. Like, my feet are going crazy. I, I'm looking at the Williams girl because, like you said, we were in second place before I was before I got the baton, and I'm looking at the back of her head, and I'm thinking – I have to beat you. Like we have to win this race. Like it's totally, it's totally doable. Just got to give it our all. Like, like the, the three people who ran before me just got to go out there and, and compete as hard as we can. And, and I, and I knew that we could take it and it, we made it happen. It was, it was awesome. And the team as a whole finished tied with a couple other NASCAR schools for third, right? Yeah, well, that was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, we tied with Tufts and Middlebury for, for third. And it was funny. They only had one plaque. So um, they were passing the plaque around. And I guess Jay goes, well, Bates is uh, first in the uh, alphabet <laughs> before the Tufts and Middlebury. So I think we should get the plaque. And we've never scored third place. Uh, this is the best place we've scored um, since 1990 or 1991, which is incredible. So we we wound up being able to keep the plaque, which is oh. awesome. We were taking pictures with it. It was it was incredible. Nice. And then I know there were some rankings that came out last week before this meet that had you all as one of the top ten teams in the country. What's that like? Yeah, that's super exciting. It just goes to show like how talented our team is, and we only had 20 or so girls at NED3s, and to score as well as we did, 62 points, tying with two other incredible teams Tufts and Middlebury I mean it just goes to show how talented we are and how much hard work we've been putting into this season and it's just really paying off and we're seeing a lot of success so I know you've been to nationals before as part of the distance medley relay and probably be going again this year but also the chance you mentioned before the 4x400 relay 
with a couple teams ahead of you that won't be able to go because of limitations. So that must be pretty exciting to have a couple more chances to qualify for nationals in that event. Yeah, that's super exciting too. I, I've like you said, I've only been for the DMR, so to be able to run another another event would be awesome. And it's such a great group of girls. I think if we could get as many people out there as we possibly can, I think that'd be that'd be great. All right. And any, any other thoughts on this past meet and uh, what it meant to the team? Oh uh, yeah, I think it just it everyone got super psyched. It's it's incredible to have such a great success and to place as well as we did. I mean. It's been a long time since we've done that well. I mean, just getting the meet record alone in the 4x4, and, and we had some incredible performances from um, across the board. I mean, Shristi and um, Lindsay did really well. They placed 6th and 7th in the pentathlon, which hasn't happened, I think, for nine years, I think they said, which is crazy. It's, I mean, we, we have girls who are just standout performances all, all across the board, and the team is looking great, and it's it's really exciting. I think we can keep this momentum going and, and see a lot more wreckage broken and a lot more success in the future, so I'm really excited. All right, sounds good. Claire Marconic, thanks so much for taking the time, and congrats again on the great weekend. Thank you. The men's swimming and diving team finished fifth at the NESCAC Championships for the third year in a row, once again matching their best finish ever at NESCACs. Bates set 12 program records over the course of the three days in Middletown, Connecticut. Jonathan Depew, Riley Ewing, Alexander Ignatoff, Daniel Walpole, and Teddy Pender all scored top three finishes to earn all NASCAC honors. Not only did Pender record three all NASCAC finishes of his own, he won the 100-yard freestyle title. And for that, Teddy Pender is our male Bobcat of the Week. First day, 53, came fifth. Um, it was okay, good time in the morning. Um, second day, 2-3, had a really good final, came in third. It was really, really nice to finish off the meet um, with a win on, in that 100-3, especially with the guys behind me at the end. It was a really awesome feeling to hit them uh, all chant my name. Yeah, it was awesome. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned a really good time in the morning for, like, the 53 and stuff, and then you have to come back and do it again. I mean, what, I mean what's the mental strategy there? What's your mentality when you have to have that break between the morning and then the evening? Um... Well, I've been doing uh, prelims and finals for uh, yeah. for a while now. Right. <laughs> um, All yeah, I'm I'm pretty used to it, and I, I like to say that I always swim faster at night. Um, so no matter if I have a bad swim in the morning, uh, I've always got to come back fresh at night, and I can swim fast. I know that. I've noticed your family is obviously a very supportive of your career. They're at a lot of the meets and stuff. Yeah. What's that like to have them all up behind you as well? Oh, it's great. Uh, I mean, my parents uh, live in Oman, which is in the Middle East. Right. And um, they don't get to see me swim very often. So whenever they do come out, it's a real treat to have them here and support me. It's, yeah, I love them. And then for people who don't remember, how did you end up coming from Oman out here to Maine for school? I know we've talked about this before, but people might forget. <laughs> well, I was really just looking at um, really good schools with great coaches and base has both of those things. So um, I must have reached out to about 50 colleges, and Pete was the nicest. Um, and I, I just wanted a coach who would show me some love, and he does that every session, and it's awesome to have that. Now here we're with a pretty select group of swimmers right now training because nationals are coming up. Uh, I mean, how sweet is it to get a relay team in there and also be going individually? Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, we should find out. Yeah, we should find out in a couple of days. I think our chances look pretty good. Um, if if we don't make it, we don't make it. We've had a great year, and it's just been awesome to have um, 
the whole teamwork as a unit because we all realize that it's uh, it's not ourselves doing well, but it's about the greatest sacrifice and the team doing well as opposed to each other. And we all find that when the team does well, we all do well together individually. So, yeah. This is the third straight year the men have gone top five, you know, at NESCACs. And so uh, what does it mean for you to have the program be so consistent like that? Well, it's not that it's just we're consistent. We're also improving. Yes. Um, I mean, my freshman year, we were in the low 900 points range. Um, yet last year, we were in the mids. And this year, we were two and a half points off breaking 1,000 points. And that's a, that's a huge milestone for us. Um, so we're not only staying consistent, we're improving as well. And it's a great sign to see. So, you know, this training this week during break, what's, what, what are you putting into it in terms of, obviously, it's kind of a weird time, right? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I just... Uh, we just came back from Wesley, and I got back at two today. Yeah. A <laughs> um, uh, little change of pace, back into about probably ten days of hard training, um, maybe about eight days of pace work, and then four days of really easy stuff, being really focused on the small thing before we go to Texas, if we go to Texas. But, yeah, so it's, it's an odd time to be here. Nobody's here. There's a smaller group of us. It's very different. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just as fun as it normally is. Any other thoughts on the NESCAC championships you wanted to share with us about how it went and everything? Um... I'm really proud of uh, the men's team. Um, there was a handful of a handful of us who were in A finals, but uh, the NASCAR isn't about those who um, come first or second or third in a final. It's about the guys who are scoring eighth through twenty-fourth, and even not just those guys, even the guys who didn't score. Um, we had each other's back as a whole meet, and there was never a point when anybody was sitting down. We were always cheering for each other, and that's what we've done all season. And it was great to see that. So, yeah, a lot of love and respect for this for this team. Terrific. Well, Teddy Pender, congrats again on being our male Bobcat of the Week, and thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much. The Alpine and Nordic skiing teams competed at the Middlebury Carnival over the weekend, and Nordic skiing senior Laurel Fiddler continued her outstanding season with a 15th place finish out of 70 collegiate skiers in the 15K freestyle race on Friday. And she teamed up with senior Sadie James to lead the Nordic women to a 4th place finish out of 12 schools, in the Classic Sprint Relay on Saturday. She and James combined to finish 7th out of 34 pairs of skiers. Fiddler is our female Bobcat of the Week, and she joined the Bobcast via telephone to look back on the Middlebury Carnival and look ahead to this weekend's Bates Carnival. Well, we're talking to our female Bobcat of the Week, Laurel Fiddler, here on the Bobcast, looking back on the Middlebury Carnival. And, Laurel, first of all, I thought the classic sprint relay at Middlebury was quite interesting. You and Sadie James teaming up and having a really great finish. Uh, Do you enjoy those uh, sprint relay races? (laughs) The sprint relay races are honestly the hardest races that we do, in my opinion, because basically you're doing a 1.2-kilometer race and then tagging off to your teammate and doing that three times. So in between, you're getting about a three- to four-minute break between the time that your teammate goes off and then goes around the course and then comes back and tags you before you have to go again. And a sprint, since it's so short, you're going just about all out. So it's three efforts all out with this other member of your team. Um, So it's very fast. It's very fun. Um, We were both definitely exhausted at the end, but it's super uh, motivating to do something like that because all of the teams are so close together. And so we were really close with all the other teams the whole time. And that was really fun to um, have the opportunity to move around. And, yeah, it was a really fun day, but also a really hard day. Interesting. So is that a mass start situation or is it one at a time? 
Yep, it's a mass start situation. So Sadie started for us and came into the tag zone. And uh, through the tag zone, she came in in about fifth place. So she did a really good first leg, but really everyone was there coming into the tag zone. So it was a pretty hectic first tag. Things didn't start getting more spread out until maybe the second or third lap for each of us. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and obviously mass starts are tricky because you don't want to, you know, crash into anybody or anything like that. How do you uh, navigate those uh, those uh, mass starts? <laughs> Main thing is you don't want to break a pole. We mm. always have coaches out there with extra poles in case you do that, but that definitely slows you down. You also don't want to fall. Um, there was a big pileup on that first leg between the UVM team, the Colby team, and one other team, and. The Colby team was able to come back and pass us back, but the UVM team never managed to make up the time. So a fall like that can really impact your entire race. I know you also were in the um, 15K freestyle. You got a top 15 finish. I mean, it seems like you're consistently there in the top 15. So what continues to work for you, you think, uh, especially in those types of races? Well, I think especially in the skate, 15Ks, they're also mass start races. Right. And for me, having a mass start is wonderful because I know where I am um, within the pack. And so that's super helpful and being able to know where you are. And I always find myself pushing harder when I'm in a situation where I'm head-to-head with other people. Um, For example, coming into the finish, I was with two other girls and I was able to out-sprint them in the finish, which I probably wouldn't have done in an interval start race it's also super motivating to have your teammates out there i know a lot of girls on our team skied together in that race and that's very motivating and helpful to have other people on your team pushing you excellent excellent and then this weekend it's the bates carnival i know you're obviously you have the bates carnival every year what's that experience always like to actually you know host one of these events well it's great we actually haven't been able to host the Bates Carnival at our home course in Rumford in two years. Last year, because of the low snow coverage, we hosted in Waterville on the Colby course. So it didn't quite feel the same to have our course on the Colby course, especially when the Colby Carnival was just the weekend after. Um, So it's definitely going to be great to be in Rumford. And I actually have never raced at Rumford. The Two years ago when the Bates Carnival was there, I was sick for the weekend. And so I've never actually raced at those courses. So as a senior and having that be our last carnival, I'm so excited to get out on those courses. And having it be the NCAA Regional Championships is really special to get to host that. Middlebury's been hosting it for the past few years. So it's really exciting to have it culminate on our home course. Are you... uh... Taking any looks at the you know the national standings and whatnot in terms of individuals? I know you've had a really good year. Where do you stand right now? Do you know in terms of possibly you know getting a bid a bid to the NCAA championships? Yeah, I've been checking the standings a lot um, throughout <laughs> the season, and right now it's very close. Um, how it works is each team is only allowed to bring three athletes. Right. So, for example, you could be further down the list then they only bring 14 of each gender. And you could be further down the list, and if one team has more than three people, 
those other people are extras and can't go, so the list will just continue to bump down. So right now Dartmouth, for example, has six people, so their entire carnival team on the women's side uh, qualified for NCAAs, but they can only take three, so that bumps down the standings. So I believe right now I'm in 13th place, uh, which is a good spot to be in once you take away those other people. Um, mm -hmm. But it's also very much on the border, and it very much depends on what other people do. Um, the points are all really close. So this is definitely a big weekend for me, and I do need to have some solid races in order to make it and need to hold off other people. Um, Sadie James is also ranked right behind me. Oh, so wow. I'm hoping that both of us can pull out some good results and hopefully both qualify. I know Sadie went last year. What, did she tell you anything about how it went and what her experience was like? Yeah, I think that going, Sadie really just wanted to have an experience and just have fun, and she did all of those things. It was in Colorado last year and at altitude, and I know that that was really hard coming from sea level. Um, but she had a really awesome experience, and I would love to have her um, be able to come with me um, having both of us qualify, that would really mean a lot given her experience being there. Um, I definitely hope both of us make it because last year I was just right outside of it. Um, so it's definitely a big goal of mine, but it really depends on how this weekend goes. All right, well, we'll see what happens. Excited for the Bates Carnival. Uh, Laurel Fiddler, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Congrats again on being our female Bobcat of the Week. Thank you so much. The baseball and tennis teams are in California getting their seasons underway. As of Tuesday morning, the women's tennis team is 1-0, with a 5-3 win over Westmont under their belts. And the men's team is still waiting to complete their first match. Not even California is immune to rain. The baseball team is off to an 0-2 start, but still have three more games out west before returning to Lewiston. Meanwhile, the men's lacrosse team is ready to get their season started this Saturday, when they host... Roger Williams on Garcelon Field at 1 o'clock. Head coach Peter Lasagna previews the upcoming season. You know, as a head coach, we ask this question a lot, but limited practice time <laughs> before the first game. So what are you focused Welcome on to the this week? Um, getting up and down the field. I mean, we were, the first four days were inside, so we took the best advantage that we could of that time. It's actually not a bad thing to do early because there's some teaching that goes on and uh, climate control is, is not bad. But then once we finally got outside, our grounds guys just did it. I went above and beyond the call this weekend after having you know 50 inches of snow in five days or whatever it was and got our field cleared. So we were able to get out twice on Sunday and twice yesterday. Um, so we've really focused on just on getting up and down and trying to simulate our style. Great. Obviously, you're introducing the program to a lot of first years who are who are now in the program. So what are you hoping to see from them early on in practice to, to indicate that they're ready to play at college level? Well, uh, that's a great question. And I would say that I'll know I'll have more data uh, at 730 tonight because it's very impressive for first years to be really good and comfortable and confident and and make plays and look like college lacrosse players in practice, but it is yet another uh, accomplishment to actually do it in an SCAT game. So, but there are a couple guys. Um, Matt Costava on the attack has had a really, really good few days. 
um, Frankie Spitz defensively, a number of guys. RJ Sarka from from Cape Elizabeth, a big strong midfielder. Just uh, it's going to be really fun. Rob Strain in the goal. So we, we've got we've got a lot. This is a really important scrimmage for especially those younger guys. Yeah, for reference, you're scrimmaging Bowden, and so when you're a coach and you're doing a scrimmage against a, you know a team like Bowden, you're probably not wanting to give away too much, right? That's <laughs> that's accurate. Uh, we'll keep things pretty vanilla. Yeah. Uh, but quite honestly. Um, I'm not sure there's any point to it. The NESCAC, uh, because we're the most egalitarian league in America, we share every film. So literally every film we play, Home and Away, we put up um, on Right Play. And so if somebody wants to watch, I mean, we play Bowden pretty late. Yeah. So they will have seen us seven or eight or nine or ten times if they want to. So I'm not sure it makes But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be vanilla. Now, returning this year, obviously, you've got three preseason All-New England selections. you got Charlie Fay, you got Fred Ulbricht, you got Kyle Weber. Now, Charlie Fay, he's been a midfielder, he's been on attack. What's the plan this year for him? <laughs> the plan today is, uh, I mean, the plan overall is to have him on the field as much as possible. He's just, right. when you have, a, when you have a, a player that, that is that special and can make that many things happen in so many different ways, uh, again, don't, don't overthink it. Put him on the field as much as you can. So that's going to mean attack. Uh, the vast majority of the time, but we'll also have some fun uh, combining Charlie and Kyle and, and somebody else, maybe Clark Jones or Jake Walsh or, or somebody out in the midfield, because uh, it gives you a completely different look. It changes how you have to defend us, and uh, it also really helps Kyle um, if Kyle has Charlie in the midfield with him. So uh, we'll have some fun again. We've got some great pieces. Charlie and Kyle are, are two of the most important and special, but we have a lot of really interesting pieces to play with. Absolutely, those guys put up big numbers in terms of goals and whatnot. You know, Fred Albrick maybe flies a little bit more under the radar. What does he bring to the table that makes him so good? Yeah, I'll be honest. I mean, you know, we haven't had that many All Americans in the in the history of uh, of our program. So um, to be able to achieve that is is pretty special. He's certainly at that level. He's you know as good as the best defenders in the NESCAC, which means he's as good as the best defenders in the country. Um, he's brought a senior's edge, a captain's edge. This year, uh, from what I understand, in the fall, of course, I was not there watching it, but right. all feedback that I got was that Freddie was uh, was possessed and and healthy, 100% healthy, which he really has never been in his first three years, and he's just looked fantastic. I mean, a, a dominant uh, individual defender and, and somebody who really runs the show for us back there. In goal, Mitchell Drake got a lot of action as a first year uh, due to injuries and whatnot, and so now it, it's his show, though, this year, isn't it? Well, it is certainly he's got, I would say he's got the, the right of first refusal um, <laughs> as somebody who returns as a sophomore who did some really good things for us uh, last year. And often, I mean, I, the one that stands out is is throwing him in at halftime of the Tufts game, which is a, a pretty heated environment uh, to get your first um, initiation. And he responded really well. So I'm um, really fortunate. Not not many freshman goalies get that kind of experience in this league. Um, right off the bat. And so, yeah, I, I would say that and he's done a great job um, all the way through. Um, there were some days in the fall, I guess, the older guys told me that, you know, he because of classes and whatnot, he was the only goalie there. So being the only goalie there in a, an hour and a half captain's practice, you're you're seeing a lot of rubber. So, um, But I like the other guys as well. Um, Jared Bauman, a junior who's coming back off of ACL surgery and uh, recruited Rob Strain, uh, the freshman. Jack's uh, younger brother, Jack, had a terrific career here. And Ben Berger, who's a walk-on, who's back with us for the second time, who's left-handed, uh, and a hockey player first. Um, so, uh, again, I think it's going to be a good fight. 
Do the returning guys have kind of a chip on their shoulder after last year? I mean, it was a good season. You had that heartbreaker against Middlebury in the NESCAC tournament, heartbreaker knocking into the NCAA tournament. That kind of combination leave them with like a, a sour taste in their mouth and they're extra uh, pumped up this year? Yes. First, thank you for making me relive those uh, pleasant <laughs> memories. Um, but, yeah, of course. I mean, if you have the right people, and we do, we have an awful lot of them, and uh, – they're, you know, devoted to doing everything well, uh, their academics and their role in this community. But they're very serious about, I shouldn't say but, and they're very serious about uh, their lacrosse aspirations. And as you said, we've gotten to the point in our program where we won the most games we've ever won in the NESCAC in the history of this program. And that wasn't good enough to get a first round playoff game. And it was a disappointment. And our expectations are, you know, to be in the top four in the league and to host a first round playoff game and to win our way into the NCAA tournament and we didn't do that last year so there are a lot of very motivated returners from a scoring perspective I mean you you lose Allard from last year's team but there's so many guys it seems like it's going to be a a lot of different opportunities for a lot of different players isn't it I would say that's accurate I mean I don't want to minimize the loss of a a really special scorer and shooter and 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 just a tough cagey man Jack Allard I mean he you know, I think we all can tend to overlook it when you see it every day in practice and in every game. But think of the number of huge goals that he scored for us. So we will, you know, there will be opportunity for somebody else to step into that role. But I think you're right. I, I think we're probably, uh, we might be harder to scheme for um, simply because, you know, you know there's one guy, number 45 over there on the left, who isn't going to have the ball in his stick making those plays. But, uh, again, we just, we have really incredible depth, the, the most depth we've ever had since I've been here at every position. So, the, the battle on the attack, the battle in the midfield um, is is really keen. And, and every day we'll sort of get together after practice and go, you know, wow. So, so, you know, a sophomore who just had an incredible two days has now sort of moved his way up into the second midfield group. And, excuse me, there's a lot of that going on every day. It's really fun. I know you have a lot of players on the roster and high expectations for all of them. But if you had to choose one or two guys maybe who you – are looking to have a breakthrough year this year who maybe aren't well-known right now among base lacrosse fans, who would they be? So, I, I, yeah, I don't know if this is a fair answer, but it's my the first one that comes to my mind, and that is, you know, again, how can you be a, a, a three-year starter for Bates College and, and maybe not be super well-known at a, at a critical position? And that's Andrew Melvin. And, again, you know, because of having Jack Allard and Jack Strain and Charlie Fay and Kyle Weber and a lot of really, really good players around him, um, I'm not sure he's always gotten the notice, and uh, he is—he's uh, playing the best lacrosse of his life right now. And uh, in our first scrimmage a couple days ago, I uh, actually separated Charlie and Andrew to to give them an opportunity to to, to define different roles uh, when they're not together. And Andrew was—I mean, he was a, a a dominant senior, big time attackman. And boy, if we get that performance from him every day we're really, really, really hard to defend. I would say Burke Smith is another guy who just doesn't get the, the notice because he's a defensive midfielder first. Um, I, I think he's as good a two-way midfielder as there is, um, and I, I would expect Burke to, to be more involved offensively this year as well. Terrific. Well, we're looking forward to exciting Bates men's lacrosse season. Peter Lasagna, thanks so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, we're excited to get going. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll tell you how the women's squash team does at their team nationals. They'll take on Brown at Princeton this Friday at 5 o'clock. We'll also preview the women's lacrosse season. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates,